Okay. Here talking with um, my friend Brianna Murray. She is a 2015 graduate of Winthrop where she studied. Brianna, correct me if I'm wrong, but your major was psychology, right? Yes. Bachelor's? Okay. And then you went on to get your master's in counseling and currently are the coordinator for Edge One um, and are residing in New Jersey. And Edge One is a program, or in your capacity, you work with Edge One um, in a program for high schoolers who have visual impairments, helping prepare them for um, employment and independent living. Yes. Okay, and you could probably, and you can explain that in more detail probably as far as oh, yeah. what that looks like. Okay, cool. Yeah, sure. So I, my master's is in counseling, like you said, and I always knew that kind of like, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do with counseling. I knew I wanted to work with people in a one-on-one way to kind of help them and things like that. But this role kind of encompassed even more than I even imagined. And um, EDGE stands for Employment Development Guidance and Engagement. So we help high school, visually impaired high school students with employment goals, whether that be like just getting a job after school or whether that be looking at post-secondary education and college and attaining their goals that way. Um, We do a lot of like independent living, orientation, mobility, different things to help the students along the way because Blind and visually impaired students often haven't had the same opportunities as their sighted peers. A lot of them come in and don't know how to sort their money or do laundry or order from a restaurant menu, different things like that. So we have to kind of break it down and create workshops that have different content that relates to all the students at so many different levels. And it's such a cool job because I get to do one-on-one counseling like I imagined in my degree, but I also get to plan workshops and work with colleagues to come up with content and work with the parents and I have all kinds of different roles that I do every day so it was kind of like my dream job I was really excited to get it a year ago and move across the country and yeah my new beginning yeah so you hailed from South Carolina now you're up in New Jersey you've been there for about a year and what a crazy time to be living up there with everything going on (laughs) it is a little crazy um I definitely when the virus and things started our numbers were really scary in the New York New Jersey area I'm about I can take a train and get into New York City in like 45 minutes so I'm kind of right in the thick of everything yeah and you came home for a while I did yeah, yeah I decided well so when everything started I usually like I use a laundry service um, and I get my groceries through delivery and stuff like that. And when everything started, people were going so crazy that my laundry service closed. I couldn't get groceries. I honestly like didn't know how I was going to survive up here. And I'm sure I could have figured it out, but I was working from home anyway, since everything closed down. So I came to South Carolina where the numbers were a lot lower. I just had a really bad case of pneumonia in December. So I didn't want to mess with possibly getting the virus and my lungs were already really weak and that kind of thing. Yeah. So I came to South Carolina for a little bit, but now I'm back up in New Jersey again. And we're still really locked down. Like I know you guys have opened up again and my mom was talking about going to a restaurant and things like that, but we're not going to restaurants up here. Like things are very, when I got my lunch from a delivery person, I had to wear my mask and gloves outside to get the food from them. And like, you know, everything's still really, really serious up here. Yeah. So we're in phase two down here and that's not, not really a thing for y'all yet. 
Yeah, I don't right? think so. Yeah. I, our phases might look a little differently. Oh, probably I know, like, so, yeah. Saying something about like, we'll probably be in phase two in July. Um, okay. But I, I think like, they said non-contact sports could start back in the middle of June and like July childcare services could start back opening. But even with things reopening, a lot of the people up here, I wouldn't say, not trying to be negative, but like probably take it a little bit more seriously than they were at least when I was down there. So mm -hmm. even with things reopening, people aren't having crazy parties and being, you know, doing scary things because everyone's still really on their guard. Yeah. Yeah. We probably really need to be because um, heard a lot of <laughs> when things I was about down there, spikes. People, I mean, the cases were just those numbers were small to be fair, but people were just you know walking so casual, and yeah, being very casual about it. And up here, people are very serious. Yeah, well, I'm glad though. But okay, so how is Belle doing? Belle's your um, service dog. You've had her for how long? So. Scarily enough, um, I was one of the last classes that the guide dog school was able to have before the virus hit. I when was that that was in January. So I the class the training is a month. So I went on January sixth and came home at the very end of January. So when all the virus stuff started around here pretty early March, I'd only been working with Belle for about a month. And that was really scary in itself to have a brand new dog. Um and have a whole virus situation. And like, I was concerned because, um, so Bella's a guide dog, I'm blind. And she helps me navigate around different obstacles, um, find curbs to cross streets, find objects, seats, counters, places in restaurants, um, anything to kind of help me navigate safely. And so when you get a new dog, you're still kind of learning the rhythm with that dog. She's the fourth dog that I've worked with. And so every single dog is different. Her and I had challenges that my last dog and I didn't have and vice versa. Um, so like your main goal when you get home with that dog is to build a routine, build a rhythm, get them used to your commute to work every day, your grocery trips, your all the different aspects of your life kind of thing. And so when I got home, I tried to do that for a few weeks, but that's all I had. And then the world closed. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I was really scared at first. I was like, I don't know if she will make it. Like, what if she, you know, didn't get enough time to learn these things and she loses her skills in all this quarantine. Um, yeah. And that was like a big worry at first, especially when I came down to South Carolina, because I'm in a town where I can walk all the places I need to go. I can walk to the Rite Aid to get medications. I can walk to the Dunkin' to get a coffee. I can walk to the grocery store. So we walk everywhere. And when I go to work, I take the bus. When I go to other events, like we do college campus tours and different things with the students, I take the train. So my dogs have a very active life. Then now Belle's making noises at another dog outside. <laughs> but my dogs have a very active life up here. But when I went to South Carolina, for one, everything was shut down, but for two, South Carolina just doesn't have that type of public transportation, which is one of the reasons I'm so happy to be up here. So I was worried being shut down there that Belle would lose all of her skills. She's not going to remember what it's like to ride a bus and a train and walk these routes because we didn't have very long to learn it before everything shut down. Um, but when I came back up here and started taking walks again, we obviously, I'm, I don't feel comfortable taking public transit yet. 
and you know we're not going in buildings or going to work but we started taking walks around the town and things like that again and she snapped right back into it like she had just been doing it all her life so I'm awesome. really grateful <laughs> yeah yeah so it's been like a good fit she's pretty young right are they always that young when you get them she was older than hops my dog before her was oh, okay. when I got her um Belle was two when I got her she turned two on the 27th of December and different guide dog schools do things differently so when I got my first dog I was 17 and she was two when I got her when I got my second dog she was not quite two yet but she failed after two weeks um and then when I got my third dog hops who still lives with me she was about one and a half so she was a little younger and then Belle was back to two. But my first three dogs I got from a guide dog school in New York. And Belle I got from a school in New Jersey. So this was my first time at the Seeing Eye, which was the actually the first guide dog school in the country. So oh, wow. they, um, in 1929, um, a handler and woman who trained dogs in Switzerland, I believe. Don't hold me to that. Um, came here and built the first guide dog school in the States and they started out in Tennessee, but they decided that that climate wasn't very conducive to training dogs. So they moved to New Jersey a couple of years later and that school has been there since 1929 now. So it was kind of a cool experience to go there and like learn about the rich history associated with the school and different things like that. Yeah. Yeah. The first one too, like think they'd have like a really good standard and method yeah. and everything yeah and and that was part of my logic too I really wanted to see that and see what kind of training methods were different and things like that um my previous school hops retired very young ideally you want a guide dog to work until they're about eight to ten years old Mm-hmm. Um, and my first three dogs, Lacey worked for about four years and then she got really bad anxiety. Lacey mm-hmm. worked for two weeks and then Hops worked for about four and a half years and had a really bad hit. And so um, I wanted to see if maybe a different genetic program helped yield a dog that worked a little bit longer. Um, right. cause to go, go through like three dogs in 10 years was kind of heartbreaking. And, you know, I know it's part of the process and obviously they're going to retire at some point, but I was hoping for a little more longevity in the relationship this time, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You're just, you're just an on the go woman, Brianna. (laughs) I can't keep up. And I think that's part of the problem too. Like I said that about Lacey, poor Lacey, like went to college class all day, went to internships, went to sorority parties, went like that poor dog worked like 14 hours a day. And at the end of those four years, she's like, this is like I worked eight years, mom. This is too much. I'm tired. And poor Hops went through grad school with me, moving across the country, like all kinds of stuff. And I, you know, she did a They've lot been on of some work adventures with you. Years. Yeah. Yeah. Hops has been to, I think, like 20, 22 states or something like that. Yeah. Wow. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. She's been to so many places. She's taken trains across the country. She's flown. She's, been to tons of conferences all across, moved across the country. Um, we worked in New York at a job the summer before we got this job. So she lived in New York for a while. Like she's done it all. Hops has um, had, a, had a crazy life. And she went out. So I moved up here in July of mm-hmm. last year. And she was really happy to move, caught on to the city life really quickly, caught on to all the transportation for work and things like that. 
but I started to notice her hip was getting more sore and she'd had a bad hip for a while. So I increased her meds and things like that. But then she started falling a couple of times while she was working mm. and we would like be climbing to get into the bus and she kind of fell on the bus steps once, or it was really windy and she kind of skidded on some leaves and fell walking to the right aid. Um, and I just, I wanted her to be able to have a good life once she retired and not like be retired and also not be able to walk. Yeah. So it was kind of my decision for like her happiness that I wanted her to be able to have a life because she had worked really hard for those years. And so I started thinking about her retirement in November, I would say. Mm -hmm. And then luckily, um, got into the CNI really quickly because sometimes the wait time can be like up to a year to wait. And you had to wait about how long? Like a couple months maybe? Uh, or? Probably a month. Yeah. A month? That's it was great. So yeah. the way fate kind of worked out, my boss's brother is actually a trainer at the CMI. And so he knew I was looking for a dog. He also was very familiar with like what kind of dog I would need because my work environment, you know, his brother work is my boss. So he knows, yeah. you know, exactly what kind of dog he knows I work with children. So I need a dog that's good with children. He knows I, what kind of public transit I use. He knows my town very well because he's been here. Yeah. So he did my home interview um, and they do a home interview to kind of check your surroundings, see your town, see your career, see just like all the things so they can match a dog with you that fits your lifestyle. That's they really cool. Do, so they look at things that are that specific? Very specific. They yeah. also do a, what they call a Juno walk. And so you hold one end of the harness handle while the instructor holds the other end. And they test how fast you walk, how much pull you want the dog to have in the harness and different things about like your walking speed and stamina and stuff. So they can match a dog that has all of those stats as well. So it's a really intense process and say you walk super, super fast and they don't have a dog available that walks that fast. That Mm -hmm. is what could adjust your wait time as well. So I got really lucky in Mm -hmm. that he happened to be around visiting his brother. And he had an apprentice trainer with him that day who needed some more home visits for part of her training as a trainer. And so he brought her and she happened to be in the next class in January and have dogs in that class. And so when they did my home visit and I worked with him, she said, oh my gosh, one of my dogs would match to her perfectly. And so it just so happened that I coincidentally got in really quickly because she met me then and like had a dog in mind that would work really well with me. That's so cool. So was it really smooth from the beginning? Do you feel like with Belle or did y'all have any things you kind of had? No, you were like, no. <laughs> Hops was my smooth from the beginning dog. So when I got Hops, the trainer brought her to me and said, Hops, this is going to be your new mom. And Hops jumped into my arms, all oh. off the ground. And there was a 70 pound lab just like chilling out in my arms. It was like, hi, new mom. <laughs> Licking my whole face, like super excited. She was so into it. And so Hop's meeting went smoothly from the start. Hop's was really into it. She loved me. She was great. She was excited. Mm-hmm. Belle, on the other hand, was like, I don't really think so. I don't know if uh, I like you or not, but I don't trust you yet. Uh, and I'll be good, but I don't really know. That's so, funny. Because I think about it as far as like you really have to learn to trust them but there's kind of like two way too like you have to kind of completely two ways like they have to learn to trust you too they've been working so for the first about year of their lives they go to a puppy raiser family 
-hmm. and the puppy raiser family keeps them they work on exposure so they take them everywhere they go to restaurants to stores to the park you know all kinds of different places so they can experience what it's like to go places and then they teach the dogs basic obedience um sit stay calm those kind of things Mm-hmm. And puppy raisers are all volunteers. They all just do it because they're nice people. Um, mm-hmm. And they, once they, the dog gets to about a year, two year and a half, the puppy raisers return the dog to the school. And then the school does all of the official like service dog training parts. And then the dog is matched with us. So by the time they're two, Belle has already been through, you know, her puppy raiser family. Then she got separated from them. Then she went to work with a trainer. She got separated from that trainer. Belle coincidentally had another trainer. So then she got separated from that trainer. And now she's with a fourth person. And she's like, I don't know. I don't know who you are. I don't know why I'm supposed to work with you. Like, I don't know. She was very hesitant. All the other people's dogs were like warming up to them and getting excited and licking their face and jumping in their lap. And Belle was just sitting like a little princess. And she's like... (laughs) I'll behave really well, but I don't really know if I like you. <laughs> so that's got to be kind of hard where you're like in a room full of that and you want to have that connection. But after a while, she started to kind of warm up then. Y'all are... It took us until I would say April to where she started like jumping in my lap and cuddling mm-hmm. and she came around. doing different things. Um, yeah. It took her a really long time. Yeah. And I think part of that was her and her personality and that kind of thing. Part of it was because once we came home from training, I had another dog here and she had to kind of compete for attention. With oh, Pop, yeah. The other dog. yeah. And I've never had that experience before because I've never had like both living with me at once. Um, so I think that's part of it. Part of it was the virus and us not getting the chance to work together. Like a lot of things played into it, mm-hmm. but they say it usually takes about a year for the bond between the handler and the dog to like solidify. Yeah. Do you, um, do you notice a huge difference between your dogs when you put them in the harness and then you take it off? Like they know when they're working and they act very differently, right? 100%. So Belle, Belle is my most serious dog, both in and out of harness. She's very, like you knew Hops and Lacey both, like they had this playful side and they wanted to play and be crazy. Belle doesn't really like to play. She doesn't really like to, you know, fetch or do all of those things. She wants to work. This dog, like, lives to work. So when she's in harness, even from the beginning when she didn't like me, she was going to do her job really well. I almost, I barely got to practice corrections with her while I was in training because she just didn't do things wrong. Like, she was so invested in her work that, you know, she just had it figured out. (laughs) Yeah. What kind of corrections um, would you have to do it? But you didn't really have to do them with her, I guess. But I rarely have to do them with her in harness. Out of harness, she's a little more funny. Sometimes she will, um, her house behavior is like, for one thing, she wants to bring me my socks or my mask or different things. <laughs> she's like, I, I feel like I should bring this to you right now. <laughs> um, so I have to correct her occasionally in the house but I pretty much never had to in harness so a correction is like they're wearing a correction collar which is like a chain collar basically Mm -hmm. and the leash is on one part of it so first 
we will give a verbal correction. So for example, if we're walking down the street and there's someone's pet dog being barking and being distracting, um, first I would say, Belle, leave it. Let's keep walking and try to get her attention. Mm-hmm. If that works, great, we're good. If it doesn't, then we would migrate to a leash correction. So it's kind of a flick of the leash that like tightens the collar a little bit to get their attention and a quick release. So you're not like hurting them in any way. You're just kind just, of getting their attention. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then if like a very minor one doesn't work, you would maybe drop the harness and do like a two-handed, a more firm one or something like that. Yeah. Um, but I've never had to do any of those with her <laughs> in harness because um, she's just so serious about her work. <laughs> That's good. You got a good match there. Um, do you have any funny stories about her so far? I know you've got so many from Hops and Lacey. Oh, my gosh. So <laughs> I would say Bells. I, I don't know if this is funny, but people seem <laughs> to enjoy it. Um, one of the first nights I got home with Belle, I walked outside to let her go to the bathroom and walked back inside. Everything was good. And then I looked down and I saw something sticking out of her mouth and I couldn't tell what it was. My, I have some vision, but I can't see, I can kind of see like where objects are and things like that, but not really details. So I saw this big thing hanging out of her mouth and I didn't know what it was and I had to touch it. <laughs> and she had grabbed a squirrel from the yard and oh so God. I'm standing in my apartment with my dog with this squirrel in her mouth this brand new guide dog and oh I did not know what gosh. to do I was freaked was... out because oh my gosh I didn't know so I called my trainer on FaceTime and I was like what do I do my dog has a squirrel like this has never happened with any There's of my no other dogs for this. <laughs> yeah like what, what do I do um, and she like walked me through it and told me how to make her drop it and all of this. And luckily this like nice guy from my apartment came around that time and was like, you want help with that? So he helped <laughs> yeah. me carry the squirrel back outside. Oh my gosh. Was the squirrel okay? Um, no, the squirrel was like dead from the start. It was <gasps> not an alive squirrel. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> that was a dumb it question. It was a uh, squirrel corpse. <laughs> oh God. Oh um, boy. But it was, it was awful it was so traumatizing like I didn't know what to do I was like I guide dogs aren't supposed to be like oh yeah savage but she wasn't in the (laughs) harness when it happened and I threw she just the dog came out there (laughs) like they're still dogs they can guide you around obstacles and save your life and very very early on in my uh coming home with her a car almost hit us and she pushed me backward out of the way wow Um, so, like, they can do that kind of thing by day in their harness. The moment you take that harness off, there's just a dog that wants to grab a squirrel. <laughs> yeah. So, I have read about that, though. So, that's, like, um, intelligent disobedience. Is that what it's called? Yeah. They, yeah. Yes. Hey. Oh. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, do you notice that they do that a lot or not really? They probably um, don't have to do it a lot. Each of my dogs has had, I would say, like, one major incident. Mm-hmm. where they I can like pretty much say they saved my life um Lacey I was uh at Winthrop and I was at the crossing like right in front of Burns where you would cross to walk to like Phelps and Leewicker the dorms mm-hmm. um and it was pouring rain and Lacey and I were just walking across the street and I think was wrong and this car comes flying out of nowhere like going way too fast in the rain Mm. and Lacey got in front of me and pushed me backward so that I wasn't 
in front of the car to the point like she had to push me so hard that I fell but that was the only way I got out of the way of the car was like falling on the ground and the driver drove away and people came running like tons of people saw um and it would have hit me if she wouldn't have done that wow so each of my dogs has done that kind of thing at least once Lacey's was probably the one I remember most just because I'm I guarantee you I wouldn't have been here if she wouldn't have acted so promptly yeah um but yeah each of them they do that intelligent disobedience if it's not safe they're not going to let you go and so during the actual training Mm -hmm. it looks really barbaric if you're not used to the process but the Mm -hmm. trainers actually like drive out on us and act like they're going to hit us oh wow Um, so So they can see for sure that they know how to do it yeah right and it was amazing. Belle was actually my most solid experience with this during training because during training, when we tried it with Lacey, Lacey got really stressed and had accidents and just was really concerned about it. She did it well, but she was stressed about it. Um, my second dog was crazy, so she doesn't count. <laughs> Hops, I had a home training with her, so they didn't have an extra trainer to practice that. So I never really got to see her do it during training. Um, but Belle every time most times before i even knew the car was there she had stopped us wow it was so impressive and like in the training with my other dogs that had been something i feared the whole time was like oh my gosh when is traffic training coming because it's going to be really scary and people are going to try to hit us and you know it was really nerve-wracking but with bell it didn't phase her so it didn't phase me like she wasn't worried about it she's like i know this this is my job there's a car i will stop you and it didn't phase us like we were fine that's awesome. Do you th- feel like that's partly because they matched her to your lifestyle a little bit? I don't know. Given that you live in such a like area where like you have yeah. high traffic and I think I don't that's know. a big part of it because I, I told them specifically, you know, I go to New York City, not right now with the virus, but yeah. I go to New York City a few times a month. Like I need a dog that can handle a day where we work from home, but can also handle a day in New York City. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a big part of it is they matched a dog like that to me but then the other big part of it is just that Belle has that personality like she loves to work she loves to do her job honestly she likes to work probably more than she likes me Hop (laughs) loves me Lacey loved me so they worked really well because we had that bond and you know that kind of thing but Belle loves to work she's like I was talking to someone about how to stimulate her because Hops you can throw a ball and she's happy. You can throw a ball and play fetch with her. And she, you know, is stimulated. She's exhausted. You know, that's the way to reach her. Mm-hmm. But Belle is more of like an intellectual. So you can't reach her by playing ball or playing tug or running. Like she's not interested in those kind of games like an average dog. So I've had to find her a bunch of different puzzle toys during the quarantine to like make Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. I don't even do puzzles. Your dog does. <laughs> wow. So I think she's a really, personality. yeah, well, and they matched her with someone who is like a really hard worker. And uh, I know you're like a huge book lover. So, you know, it's funny. <laughs> it's funny because I said to someone afterwards, Hops has the personality of the person I strive to be. Like <laughs> I strive to be a social butterfly and like do all of these things and be happy. I think and you're probably somewhere time. in between Belle and Hops. But That's I think it. Belle is me. Like you think so? Hop yeah. Is who I want to be. <laughs> Belle is who I am. Yeah. Because Belle is so serious. She works way too hard. I work mm-hmm. way too hard. She is way into her work, and like that's who she wants to be, and that that's a huge part of who I am right now. So I think like Hops and Belle are the perfect two dogs to be 
hanging out with and be around because Bella's who I am and Hobbs is who I want to be. So like having both of those dogs in my life is pretty cool. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I think Bella's going to be really good then. It sounds like once um, all this COVID stuff I can't relaxes. Yeah. Everything relaxes and she can like work again and do her thing again. She's really good at it. She deserves to work and she has the personality to where she doesn't mind being in the house so much. She's very calm. She's very collected. She's not going to be wild and crazy or anything like that. Um, but she's better working than just sitting here all day. <laughs> yeah. As, as we all are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're all a little, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So when you, how has work changed for you given what you do? Um, so supporting usually, mm-hmm. usually we have workshops at least once a month. Um, and they're like all day events on Saturdays and the kids all come, we have 75 students. So how many ever of the kids that can come, come and we do like an all day workshop each month. And then we also have activities sprinkled throughout the month. For example, um, in October, we had a scavenger hunt in Hoboken. So we gave the students things to do like find this restaurant, find this store, so they could practice their orientation and mobility skills using canes or using GPS apps or things like that um, that would be useful in the work field later. So that month we had a workshop and an event. So we sprinkle different things in throughout the year, different events and different workshops and get the students all together outside of school time to do those things. So now we basically had to form a remote program really quickly because they still needed all of these skills. We still needed to have resume building workshops and workshops about how to disclose your disability to an employer and different things like that. Mm -hmm. But a student is not going to be entertained for eight hours over zoom on a Saturday, like they would at one of our workshops. There's not the pizza in the middle and the socialization Mm -hmm. and all the fun things that make our program what it is. Yeah. Um, So we're doing a lot of like, evening small calls so we're breaking what might have been you know a long workshop with a bunch of different topics into little calls at night so a lot of times we'll have you know three or four calls a week Tuesday Wednesday Thursday nights at eight we'll do a call and have different people come and present these different topics and things like that um so that hopefully the students are still getting the same things out of it that they would be otherwise. We can't do the hands-on stuff. We can't do a lot of it, but we're still doing our best to have a remote program and get yeah. those needs met and stuff. Is it is this a program that they graduate? That's uh, it's like they graduate from, or is there? Yeah. So when when they finish high school, so we have Edge 1.0 and Edge 2.0, mm-hmm. and Edge 1.0 is high school and Edge 2.0 is college. But they're separate programs. So like just because you're in 1.0 doesn't necessarily mean you'll be in 2.0. It just depends if you want to and you know what the situation is. So we have our graduation on June 23rd and we're doing like a virtual celebration of success. And um, for Edge 1, any student that's graduating high school also graduates from Edge. And we do different awards and stuff like that. For Edge 2, um, it's either they graduate college or they've aged out. If they reach a certain age, we can't provide services anymore. Mm, yeah. Okay. So we have a cool little graduation and stuff like that. You get really attached. I love my students. We, um, there are three coordinators for edge one and we split all the students between us. So we each have a caseload of like 25 out of the 75. Ah, that's a pretty big group. 
to yeah it is, be it is a group. Of, yeah um, and we're doing we're doing things we're doing these clubs now like I'm in charge of the music club and the writing club so we're doing different clubs to try to keep the students entertained um, oh awesome it's a lot of fun I love my kids it's I love my job that's awesome uh, I feel like you're probably so good at it um for sure just like your enthusiasm for everything too. oh thanks <laughs> but um so so how do you see things going back for you all is that something you're like talking about what that will look no. like or no not um, yet it's still too soon it's still too soon so we're talking we've talked about for one thing we talked about the graduation because at one point we wanted to try to maybe hold one in august um, but we don't think we're going to be back in August now. So we went ahead and decided to do the virtual thing in June. The thing is that like, even once everyone else goes back, this is a group of students from all over the state that gets together. So the risk is higher because you've got students from every county in the state kind of coming. Oh yeah. Um, and it's a group of students with disabilities. So a lot of them have other underlying conditions, underlying things going on where you would, you know, if one student shows up with the virus and all 75 students with disabilities get it, it could be a big deal. Mm-hmm. So you don't want that aspect of things either. Yeah. Um, so we will probably be one of the last people to kind of start getting things together again because our workshops are big. It's a lot of students in one place and that kind of thing. So we don't really know when things will start back up for us, but it'll definitely be the fall. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, you're really adapting in the meantime, it sounds like. Yeah, we're all doing our best and the students are still getting some things out of it. You know, there's some students we won't reach this way because Zoom calls are hard and in person is a lot easier. Yeah. Um, But we're doing our best and given the situation. Yeah, awesome. Well, Brianna, um, I know that your days are really long and it, I think it, your day just like ended like right before we started talking. (laughs) So (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Um, but I'm sure that you probably have other things you need to get to and I don't want to continue to, um, impose oh, no on your worries. day no but, worries at all yeah but Any thanks excuse to talk about my puppy <laughs> <laughs> thanks for talking about them and for um talking about your job a little I really didn't know this much about either one before this conversation <laughs> yeah. I feel like I the only whole get, like, thing I dog history you. is fascinating it's so interesting especially yeah. with the new school and everything yeah, it's really cool that you you got to go through them. Um, is there anything in particular that you feel like sharing just about, um, I don't know, like, mm, just for the sake of? <laughs> in general, um, my biggest words of wisdom about, like, blindness and seeing eye dogs and my job and my career, like, don't be afraid to ask questions and, like, really educate yourself because so many people either make assumptions or they're too scared to ask. So they never know. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't mind anyone stopping me at any time and asking me questions about Belle, asking me about her training, asking about Mm -hmm. me. Like I'm Mm -hmm. totally fine with that. What really gets on my nerves are like the people who just assume they can stop on the side of the road and start petting her or assume what I can see or what I can do. Those kind of things drive me crazy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. I'm so, that's so cool that you said that. Okay. Cause I, yeah, I know that's happened. That happens a lot where people like stop and try and pet her, and you really, or pet your dogs, and you really can't when they're working because that 
right? right. That like really throws it that off. distracts them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Bell, like Hops probably would be like, okay, someone's petting me. This is awesome. I'm distracted. <laughs> Bell will actually get annoyed. Like she'll kind of pull away from the person and be like, excuse me, I'm trying to work here. Okay. Like, yeah. This is <laughs> um, That's really good though. But yeah, it's, it's a huge thing. Like just ask because sometimes too, Bell's so new. I wouldn't do this with her yet. But like with Hops after a while, I would take her harness off and let people pet her if they wanted to. But it's just while she's working, you know, that distinction. Yeah, people are so just like, oh, there's a dog, and we just, uh, everyone just wants to pet him without even thinking, yeah. <laughs> right, I had, but yeah. when I was at Winthrop, I had one guy, I was trying to cross a street, I was trying to cross that big street in front of um, Withers, between like, Felsen Withers, like that really big intersection with the light, um, the oh, audible yeah, yeah. crossing and everything. Yeah. And there was a guy on the other side that started whistling at, I can't remember if this was Lacey or Hops, but he was whistling at her from the other side of the street while she was trying to like cross traffic and help me get across. And like, how is she going to pay attention when some guy is like whistling saying, oh, puppy and calling her name? Like that's so Mm. disruptive. Yeah. 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 It's just respecting. So don't do that. People (laughs) around you, don't do that. Yeah. Ask questions. Feel free to talk about it. Like I... I would rather answer someone's question and talk about it and that kind of thing, like, than not and have somebody wonder. I'm not You're pretty like, open about it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Exactly. And also, you just have, like, so much knowledge. And I just, I look at, like, your day-to-day life and, like, how much you know and do. And, like, I, I like, I have so many questions because I just, I mean – you do so much. You're just like on the go all the time. <laughs> I am very on the go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's cool. Thanks for taking some time, Brianna. Um, yeah, no problem at all. Really appreciate it. And talk no to you problem. soon and stay, um, try and stay sane in these crazy times. <laughs> yes, stay sane and safe as well. Please. Okay. <laughs>